0: Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christophe, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I am Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Christophe. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today, we thought we'd be talking about a couple of things. We've been getting a lot of Facebook messages and uh, Facebook, uh, actually, emails as well about the paleo um paleo diet you know obviously people have been listening to our the one sky show we've been listening to some of the interviews that we've done with Rob Wolf and Lauren uh Lauren is that Lorraine? Uh, yeah. That's his wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um I think the my main thing is people have been asking like how do I do the paleo? Am I doing it right? Am I you know am I getting it perfect? They're just looking for that perfect paleo diet. And I think well, I know, I know I have my own opinions, and I'm sure you guys have the same opinion as well, is that when we talk about paleo, people have this perception of being they have a misperception of what paleo diet is. Because I know that people who th- listen to paleo diet, like just the term, they think, okay, I can eat as much meat as I want.
1: Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, absolutely. People actually think that. Um... Well, actually, you talk first, Bredo, because um, I've got opinions and I'd love to hear your conversation on this one. Let's do this one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting if you look at the paleo diet, You know, because some of the things you can look at is you can look at the uh, some of the Eskimo populations, for example, um, and they do eat a large proportion of meat uh, and a lot of fat in their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and were actually pretty healthy, so they they actually did okay eating a lot of meat and a lot of fat. Um, but I think um, in terms of you know the ideal paleo diet, I think for the most part people should be thinking more about vegetables than about fat. Um, yeah. I think it's really important that they get that that broad range of nutrients in their diet that you can get from eating you know a healthy balance of meats, uh, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables. And I think that healthy balance means lots of vegetables. Um, it means a reasonable amount of meat. It means a little bit of uh, fruits, um, and you know a reasonable amount of nuts and seeds as well for your snacks in between. Um, and I think that's probably where a lot of people can get that balance wrong: is they think, "Oh, paleo diet, you know, that means caveman. Cavemen just ate meat." Yeah. It's um, <laughs> <the> reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your average caveman, you know, finding some meat was probably actually quite a challenge, and, and a lot, a huge energy expenditure to go and you know, that's it's right. a bit harder to uh, it's a bit harder to catch a wild buffalo than it is to you know pull up a Carrot out the ground. Right. Um, so, um, so I think that the focus should be probably leaning more towards vegetables than I think what most people are uh, are anticipating when they hear for the first time this idea of the paleo diet.
1: It's such a good point, mate. And uh, look, I was so I was so glad to hear you say that because when I when I meet a lot of people in practice um, and look just out in the street and and I did a, a food talk the other night, many people actually felt relieved that the Whole premise of paleo really should be that you eat bucket loads of vegetables, and and your primary source of carbohydrates should be coming from vegetables and salads, and then of course fruit, and then if you needed to, and stepping outside of paleo would be other things which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But and then you'd select your proteins, and then your fats, which fits into that palm method model that I talk about very, Mm. you know, very beautifully. Um, But the other thing that can actually happen if you ignore the vegetable amount or you don't get that quantity right is that you can possibly tend towards you know slight uh, ketosis now not ketoacidosis um where your kidneys be breaking down or your muscles breaking down but if you're if you're not eating enough vegetable you're not eating enough carbohydrate in fact your basic or primary fuel source is coming from protein and or fat then you you run the risk of actually putting yourself into ketosis which in short spurts can be okay and you can burn lots of fat really really fast um, but over, over a long time, which is what we're trying to educate people to do and that is to change their lifestyles to be incredibly well and you know, in, you know, to some extent uh, follow a, a paleo approach to eating. If you try to do it long term but you're not eating enough fruit and vegetables, you can go into ketosis which is long term damaging for not only your muscles but also for your kidneys and for, for your general health. In fact, you become quite carbohydrate sensitive. As a result of being um, on ketosis or in ketosis for a long, long period of time, and and that's what happens with or happened a lot with people who followed the Atkins program. And the last thing we want is for people to go into an extreme style eating program that would um, that would put them into ketosis over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's the important part is that people start to move towards the the Atkins diet, which was been around for you know for quite a while, and people think the paleo is exactly like Atkins, but it, we're saying it's not. It's it's actually much more than that because the vegetable is the component that we're missing. But, Dimal, I think a lot of people will get a lot of benefit from um, eating a lot of protein at, at the beginning, what you said, because oh, yeah. they will lose a lot of weight initially. Yeah. But the yeah. problem is the long term effect, what you're describing. Now, for those people who actually don't understand the process of ketosis, could you just sort of make a you know a layman's person? and you know, detailed perspective of what ketosis is and what actually is happening in your body when that happens?
1: Well, the process of ketosis is the, uh, the burning of what's called ketones or the manufacture and then burning up of ketones. And ketones are a byproduct of a, a low blood sugar um, state within the body. So where blood sugar levels get slightly too low Um, from a reduction or restriction of carbohydrates um, or the inability to access carbohydrates in, say, a diabetics um, uh, case, um, you will break down... Um, other types of um, storage forms of fuel, and and in ketosis, like monitored ketosis, uh, you would break down your uh, stored dietary fats in the forms of uh, liberating triglycerides into the bloodstream, and when you do that, you, you do uh, form these things called ketones and ketone bodies, and they're the things that we we say uh, when they're removed from uh, the bloodstream via the kidneys into the urine, you measure those ketones, and that's called ketosis, so it's a state of ketosis. but That's the state of measured ketosis, which is often used in weight loss programs um, and very, very successfully, but um, shouldn't be used for a long period of time, is my belief. Um, And certainly, you know, we see that in the research, um, is different to the ketoacidosis that a diabetic, a long-term diabetic, would get where their kidneys are breaking down, they're insulin resistant, and their muscles are now breaking down. That's a a different problem. But for what we're talking about, it's the process of burning fat really fast in a low-sugar environment. So what's the long-term problem with, you know, if you stay in ketosis
0: and people are not measuring that?
1: Well, ketosis is a, uh, an, an, acidic, um, an acidic situation within the body, and so one of the long-term uh, dangers of ketosis has been postulated to be um, changes within acidity within the body, which can lead to uh, calcium removal uh, from other tissues within the body. There's been studies that have actually suggested that this isn't the case, so that some people um, can be in ketosis for a long period of time and not affect their bone mass or their muscle mass, but there's other people that actually can be in ketosis for short periods of time and it can actually affect their bone and muscle mass. And so I think a cautious approach should be taken to ketosis or to really high protein eating programs. and so that you know, maybe eight weeks, twelve weeks maximum in a state of ketosis, um, you know, per go, and maybe give yourself a good six to twelve months before you you know, you know off before you get back on it again. That's my cautious approach to um, to managing or being careful with ketosis because the long term effects still not, aren't they're not clear in the research, and the research is still a bit you know it's it's catching up. Yeah, this is I think this is where we're
0: going to head into the main part of this particular episode is that we're going to start talking about acid and, and, and alkaline levels in the body because I think you raised a really good point right there regards to the pH balance and how it actually affects us. De, uh, Brett, do you want to take on the um, aspect of what is actually what the pH balance is should be in the body and how is food affecting that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, your pH, you know, we talk a lot about uh, homeostasis. And so there is actually a homeostatic level that your pH um, should be in your body. And, uh, and what we're seeing with a lot of our modern diets is that actually um, our diets are far too acidic. Um, so mm. a lot of the foods that we have in our modern diets, um, and certainly as we've just spoken about, meat can fall into this Picture, Um, but also a lot of the other things when we talk about sugars and processed carbohydrates, and um, you know, a lot of the processed foods in our diets tend to fall into that acidic side of the spectrum, Um, and also some of the healthier foods can fall into the acidic side of the spectrum too. So, you know, you start talking about things like uh, you know, tomatoes and chilies, and I know Damon, you probably got a whole list of those, there's a whole range of things that fall into that side of the spectrum too. Yeah. Um, but really what we're talking about here is, is getting back to a balanced diet um, and a balanced diet f- balanced with healthy stuff because <laughs> often it's the unhealthy stuff, the unnatural stuff, the processed stuff that really sh- that throws out that acidity level in the body. Mm. So Damon, you probably can list off a few others there in terms of the acidic stuff in the diet I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I'll look, there's so many foods, and perhaps we can actually put a list of foods up on uh, on Facebook, uh, that yeah. or on the site. That'd be a good thing. I can flick that through to you later on, mate. But well, I what, think, I like think... it just.
0: Sorry, I was just going to name a couple of things if you want, if I, because I have a list here. Just the Good things man. that are that you know people would never think that would be acidic. I mean, obviously okay, if you know yeah. things like, um, you know, some corn, the breads, the wheat. Obviously those things that we would know are acidic. we we already mentioned about the meat. But what people wouldn't think about is like even like blueberries. You know, it's acidic uh, food, uh, sort of fruit. Um, even uh, a lot of the nuts, uh, butter, cashews, legumes, peanut butters, peanuts, pecans, walnuts, those are also uh, acidic types of foods. So I think one of the things that we gotta get to is, is understanding that our body needs to function, our blood anyways, needs to function at a pH level that is slightly alkaline. So if people don't understand the pH balance is basically between zero and 14, and uh, from seven is being neutral right so our body ph balance should be about cyclic alkaline i believe is around 7.35 to 7.45 yeah and and it needs to stay that at that level and anything deviation above a too alkaline or too acidic which is sort of too acidic would be zero to seven um or two alkalines above seven if it's too acidic or too alkaline it causes the body to go through a whole bunch of processes to to make sure that that stays at that level so do you want to take it from there
1: no, that's that's spot on. And and you know, Brett said uh, before about the homeostasis and homeostasis is that ability of the body to return to its normal state. And there are some things that we're learning these days that the body actually really struggles to return to its original state, and that's where we, we spoke I think do we speak about stress? We we spoke about stress and allostatic loading, did we? Did we speak about that? Yeah, we did talk we did, a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, and so that's an allostatic load, but the body actually, in this case, because it's a survival thing, um, has the ability to, to return to its original position, uh, which is, which is at a pH neutral or a pH um, alkaline um, blood state. And the way in which it will do that is to pull nutrients from muscles or pull nutrients from bones. So the foods that can actually generate that, we'll put a list up of those sorts of things. But as a general rule, it just you know, if we just said as a blanket general rule, if you eat more vegetables than you eat proteins and fats, just as a general rule, then you're going to move in a more alkaline direction. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some exceptions to that. And you'll be in many people, like you said, LT, people will be surprised. Like, for example, with blueberries, um, but, and, and there's other things that people actually will see in there that they'll go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that eating an almond could actually be acidic to me. So they'll, they'll read these sorts of things and they'll go, wow, that's, that's amazing. But the key thing, the, the, the number one thing that I've found in practice that alters people's pH is their ability to digest. Mm. And so, if you can digest your food really, really well, and you can absorb all the nutrients that are, you know, present in your food that you're eating at that point in time, you're more likely to be able to run at a pH appropriate um, blood. Blood pH appropriate level. Um, than if you can't digest appropriately, and so what we you know we often hear about uh, taking lemon juice before a meal or putting lemons on your or lemon juice on your salads or lemon juice you know soak your meat in lemon for a little bit of time, like your lamb for example. And and people get confused because lemons are actually very very acidic outside of the body. And look, they're very acidic when they get inside the body too. But they're actually what what's called alkaline forming or alkalizing. And the reason why they uh, they do this is because they enhance digestion. So when you increase the amount of acidity in your gut, you improve digestion. And so subsequently, consequently, you'll end up resulting in a better digestive process, better digestive habits, and you'll absorb the nutrients that are present in your food supply that can then go and buffer the acidity from your metabolic waste that's circulating through your bloodstream. So the idea that if you enhance your digestion you absorb your nutrients better means you don't need to draw on the other stuff that's actually you know uh, stored already in your bones and your muscles
2: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's worth mentioning there, Damon, because you did speak about you know the bal- getting the balance right between your um, between your vegetables and your meats and proteins and those sort of things. But I think you know my experience as well is that when it comes to the actual foods you're eating, that it's not necessarily those foods which are probably more the healthier foods that can really impact on the acid. Um, but yeah. it's much more the you know things like your caffeine, your alcohol, your sugars, your processed carbohydrates, breads, grains, cereals. Those are the things that tend to really throw out the acid balance just because they're so highly consumed in our modern diets that that I find it's much more those foods that are actually really throwing out the balance rather than perhaps, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure there are some people who are just eating way too much meat and protein um, and nowhere near enough vegetables. Um, But I think it's it's those processed foods that are really just throwing us out of whack.
0: Yeah, they're just extreme, aren't they? But that's also I th- one of the things that we don't think about because we always talk about food here, and we this episode has been focusing on food, and it's great. But one of the things that causes acid forming in the body is also emotional stress. Like right? I think you mentioned that already, sure. the demo, right? So emotional stress, toxic overload, and all that stuff, really causes the body to be in an acidic state. And when we don't want to be in an acidic state, it's because well, it really does affect your body to, well really function very well and also, like we said, it it draws away nutrients and specifically, I believe it it draws calcium away from our bones and it draws magnesium away from our muscles and when they do that, because they need it to balance out the acidic food in your body, you're actually really using your body as a source to buffer this and that's not a great thing.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people aren't going to realize just how important that is, you know, you say, oh, it's taking magnesium out of your muscles, you think, oh, that doesn't sound good, Um, but people need to understand that magnesium is... Vitally important for your muscles um, because it's the magnesium that actually allows your muscles to relax. You know, without that That's magnesium, it. you tend to really cramp up those muscles. And, and a lot of people will have experienced this with you know leg cramps or eye twitches or things like that when they don't have enough magnesium in their body. Um, but what people also need to think about is that it's not just the skeletal muscles that get affected by this. So it's actually the um, oh, I've had a blank now. Uh, it's cardiac? actually the rest of the th- yeah, yeah, the cardiac, cardiac the, the blood yeah, vessels, all yeah. those the the rest of those muscles in your body which are actually being affected as well Um, so that really has an impact on your heart, you know, if you start thinking about your heart going into spasm and having a cramp, that doesn't sound good Uh, or your blood vessels going into spasm and having a cramp, which is actually going to really affect your blood pressure, Uh, it's going to affect the resistance there, Um, so you know we're starting to think, well maybe that's going to then have an impact on, you know, heart disease or strokes or, you know, a whole range of other things like that as well, so it's really important to to understand what that magnesium and that lack of magnesium in your body can do it's not just a few cramps in your legs, but it's actually affecting your your heart health as well, which is pretty important.
1: I often talk about um, the health of your teeth, and so if you're getting cavities or your teeth are falling out, or yeah, or you're on your third set of teeth, you know, if you, you, you know got falsies, uh, if you're on your third set. Of the teeth, then you're, you're probably highly likely to have pretty poor quality bones as well, and your teeth are actually a really good indicator of the health of the rest of your bones. And I actually remember being taught that. I can't remember where I got taught that or read that, but I thought, wow, that's actually quite insightful because often when I see people uh, in practice with you know bad teeth or incredibly odor, you know, odorful, um Uh, what's it called, halitosis, their breath really stinks. Um, Their fingernails are in really bad form as well, their hair is in really bad shape, their skin's in really bad shape and um, of course their bowels are in really bad shape and they have heartburn, indigestion, all these sorts of things going on. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things that we've just spoken about in the last you know 15 minutes it actually um, highlights to you that there's a number of key things that you could measure uh, as to how acidic your body might be but you can actually go and get some pH sticks from the pharmacy um, or or from your local practitioner and measure your urinary pH to get an, a guide as to what your blood pH would be and you're looking to get a urinary pH level of around about 6 point5 to seven like that's what you're aiming and if you can get higher 7.5 then you're doing really really well so if you can get those sorts of levels in your smashing it. That's just as an indicator. But there are key indicators such as your breath, the coating on your tongue, your digestive habits, heartburn, indigestion, bloating, farting, diarrhea, um, malabsorption, craving foods. Uh, These are the sorts of things that give you indication that your pH level might be out of whack. Mm.
0: and just we also need to remember that the ph level is a scale right from so we've talked about it being 0 to 14 so which means the food sources that you're eating whether it be alkaline type of foods or acidic types of foods are also on a scale so some right. food some foods are also very acidic whereas some foods are just sort of slightly acidic you know same thing for alkalinic so some foods are really alkaline and some food is not so i'll give you an example of really highly acid forming foods we all know that uh, you know, we'll probably do an episode on this in the future, which is like NutraSweet or those artificial sweeteners. They're absolutely yeah. terrible for you. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, for those people who um, like beer, <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, beer and yeah. coffee, okay? Coffee is pretty acidic. Uh, it's a pH yeah. of four, and Coca Cola is a pH of two. So, I mean, so though, you need to look at a chart uh, and an acid alkaline chart. I like, I like those types of charts because you really can look at those highly acidic foods and mid to highly acidic foods and really just eliminate those from your diet as much as possible and really focus on the highly alkalinic foods and so uh, I guess the alkalinic foods we're talking about we work hard to mention this but it's all basically the dark green veggies um, yeah. oh, most veggies are but the dark green ones especially like seaweed or um, you know the spinach and stuff are usually more the higher end of, uh, of alkaline you know even including alfalfa sprouts and a whole bunch of things yeah. What, and the, the other one
2: worth mentioning, sorry, for the really acidic right. foods is actually the um, energy drinks and the sports drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually reading a study just about those today and it's funny you just mentioned the teeth demo because uh, they were saying that drinking those drinks is like just literally dipping your teeth into acid. So they're just <laughs> shocking for the enamel on your teeth. Wow. Right. And um, yeah, it's right. quite an, it was quite an amazing study. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they'd, they'd done a whole uh, a series of tests, and basically what they'd done is dipped teeth into, this stu- into those drinks for 15 minutes um, oh, wow. to see what would happen, and it was just destroying the enamel on the teeth. Um, so, they're nice. definitely right on that acidic end of the scale as well. That's a shocker, isn't it? It's actually
1: made worse by the bacteria that are in the mouth that feed off the sugars that are in your diet. So that's that's even made worse. So you've got to be really careful of that. But understand that this is a balance thing. So it's not that you can only eat alkaline foods and that you should only eat alkaline foods and never, ever touch an acidic food for the rest of your life. That's not what we're saying. It's that the balance that should be formed um, is measured by measuring your pH. So there used to be a, a thought that if you ate 70% of your diet coming from alkaline foods and 30% coming from acidic foods, um, that you do all right. Yeah. Um, and look, that could be the case. It could be the case. In fact, that's what I was actually told, you know, what, back in 1992, you know, when I was actually a bit unwell, had my chronic fatigue syndrome, my naturopath said have 70-30 alkaline to uh, acidic foods. And look, that got me right. Uh, it got me all sorted out. But. Uh, there's other ways in which you can look at this. And, of course, as, as I mentioned before, there's the PAR method. If you're going to do paleo uh, or live a life that's closer to paleo or at least following that line of thought, which we all think is a great idea, and and Brett and I and Lawrence were just talking just before about the scales to which we follow a paleolithic lifestyle, which we'll touch on shortly in a moment. But if you're going to follow that, then you, you really want to load up with the, um, the alkaline-forming foods. At least, I reckon... Uh, you know, oh, look, I don't even know if I want to say a percentage, but just have bucket loads of the alkaline forming <laughs> foods and then have, you know, really good amounts of the proteins um, without going into massive excess of just, you know, chowing down through a whole cow in one sitting. Yeah. I
0: really? mean, it's a daily thing though, isn't it? Like some days you're going to be, you know, eating more acidic foods and some days you're going to try to, you know, compensate for that, especially that's it. like when on holidays, especially. It's a hard thing sometimes when you when you can't cook your own meals at times and you got to go out to dinners and, you know, the Let's face it, you know, most restaurants are going to be serving acidic food. So, you just got to know the balance overall in your life needs to be more alkaline as much as possible. Let's talk about the uh, our our diets anyways. I mean, Brett, obviously, you follow the paleo diet, you know, really closely. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned a figure. So, you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I follow it pretty closely. I, I'm certainly not perfect um, in that I, I do have exceptions from time to time and, um you know sometimes that will be uh just based on um convenience (laughs) sometimes that'll be based on availability that there just won't be anything around Um, and other times there's just you know certain times of the year where I'll go away from that where um, you know for instance uh, my wife's American and and she does Thanksgiving once a year and uh, it's pretty hard well I'm sure it's actually not that hard I'm sure it's possible to do paleo at Thanksgiving uh, but I I tend not to because she likes to cook all the traditional things at Thanksgiving Um, so I would say I'm somewhere between 95 and 100% paleo Uh, There are certainly exceptions there uh, but it's by far, you know, more the norm than the exception Um, and I think that's where people can get a bit tricked with these exceptions is I think it's important to understand that uh, it's okay to have exceptions here and there. The problem comes when the exceptions start to become the norm um, and that can start to become quite common as well. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about our percentages, I'm sure you guys will talk about it in a sec as well, and, and we're certainly not absolutely perfect, we don't certainly do that all the time, although I know uh, Damien does like to say that Lawrence is perfect, he's actually not all the time. And, uh, <laughs> no, so, uh, yes, yeah, so I'll be interested to hear what, what percentages and what numbers you guys are going to come up with.
0: Well, at least pumpkin pie is uh, in the alkaline uh, area, <laughs> the pumpkin, I'm in it. not, not sure, it is. It is. <laughs> I'm not I'm sure about the pie.
2: Is. There's a lot of sugar <laughs> in that thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the pumpkin pie. itself. <laughs>
0: the pumpkin yeah well i mean i for me you know i don't follow the paleo diet and uh i i've never really have i I really more follow the alkaline acid diet uh over the years and i I, that's where i traditionally kind of focus my my energy on and uh, because uh, that's just sort of where i just feel most comfortable and uh so i don't know percentage wise i probably go at least probably 80 20 on the on the alkaline acid and uh maybe more but you know that would be a best guess estimate what about you, Demo?
1: Well, I don't follow paleo strictly either. Although like Cindy, I I tend to go down that sort of line. And the the take I or the, the the bit I take away from paleo is that you should stay away from processed foods as much as possible. Mm. That's the thing that I get, and that's what I follow. And so, if you come to my house, you might find some processed foods that are sitting in the pantry, but most of them are actually out of date. Um, you know, we, we don't we actually don't use much of that stuff. And wherever I go, I try to choose uh, fresh ingredients as much as I possibly can. Um, and I've always tended to follow, at least for the last 14, 15 years, actually 16 years, I've followed blood type. Um, and I followed zone principles, so I've gone more with blood sugar balancing and eating food for my blood type. Which I've got O type blood, so um, that's quite a paleolithic mm. uh, model of eating. You know, so if I'm to use my genes, uh, which you know to some extent you're looking at a genetic expression by looking at your blood type, um, I've, I'm actually acknowledging that I have evolved to some extent more than say what paleo suggests that we haven't evolved at all. Uh, I'm saying, yeah, but I've got O type blood. Don't, eh? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I have actually I've noticed that as I've lost hair from my head it's regrown in other areas so you know it's that, probably quite paleo so uh, I I might start to agree with you there Bruno, but um, I've I've actually you know I've, I've I'm using that and now recently I've gone into the nutrigenomic field and I'm looking more at nutrigenomics to help, me, help guide me in terms of the sorts of foods that I should actually avoid because even if I followed strict paleo principles according to my genetic makeup and I've had this tested, um, there's certain foods that would be ideal for me according to paleo but actually aren't according to my genes. And so I'm getting a little bit more specific about it but I would behave myself of the time, and 20% of the time, I give myself a bit of grace. And I've always said 80 20 is a really nice way to live. I think that's pretty well balanced, and it means that I'm not having to be some kind of extreme. And um, I prefer not to be too extreme.
0: I think it's important people to understand that you you can't, you shouldn't be 100%, because when you're 100%, it it actually causes stress in your life, you know, because you you feel like, you know, if you need energy right away and there's, you know, I don't know, a granola bar versus like, there's nothing else. And you really are starving for energy and your brain's not functional. The, the decision is, yeah, and you're 100%. Well, you're not going to eat that granola bar. But, you know, I've been talking to Jeff Spencer, which we had a great interview with. And he talks about how athletes have this, we have this vision of, of athletes are being like so perfect. And some athletes are perfect. But when they're perfect like that, they'll, they'll starve themselves because they want to be perfect. I'm not going to have touch that granola bar. But that actually causes more detrimental effect to their performance and to their life than just having one granola bar. Your body can process that. You know, to a point Like you're going to, you, if so, be careful of being 100%. And I think we'll do an episode on perfection in, in the future, but you got to be careful of being too perfect. And so, and we're just letting you guys know that we're not perfect either, uh, even though there's perceptions of me being perfect. Uh, but <laughs> well, we're not Maybe just right. porcelain. Yeah.
1: There was actually a perception I spoke in Sydney on the weekend, and uh, there was a lot of perception around about the, about the wellness guys. And um, I tried not to dispel any myths. In fact, uh, many people <laughs> said, how nice is Lawrence's skin actually? You know? <laughs> um, and does Brett actually shower more than once a week? And there was, uh, <laughs> you know, so there was some actually really classic... You know, questions that I got asked over the weekend in Sydney, So, and I loved it. I thought it was classic. It was great. Anyway,
2: you know, the fans would have liked the fact that uh, that yesterday afternoon I was actually sitting up the hill at my house, which as you know is basically bushland, uh, sitting yeah. around a campfire with my son having Billy tea. So uh, <laughs> yeah. um, sure that that's I thought that helped great. fuel those
1: uh, perceptions around me. Did you have a gum leaf in it? There was, yes. Ah, there we go. Oh, that's amazing. You are so, you're actually probably more, you're Aboriginal more than paleo, which I think dates dates back further. Yeah,
0: I'm okay with that. I I hope you left those koala bears alone though. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love it. Well, listen, that's a great episode, guys. Actually, I do have one thing I think we should probably mention just before we head off and make this quick demo. Tell us about milk in regards to this acid alkaline thing. I just don't want to make sure people get through that.
1: Yeah, look milk's very very high in calcium and and you know it's probably the highest dietary source of calcium that we can actually get. It doesn't mean that it's highly bioavailable. We don't get all of the calcium that's in milk absorbed. Um, in fact, what a lot of the calcium that's in milk what what actually happens to a lot of it is actually it gets excreted via our feces and actually doesn't even make it into the into our urine. So it doesn't even make it into the bloodstream because if we take in too much calcium, we uh, we downregulate our body's ability to absorb it. So and and that's I find that amazing because we're all told that we're supposed to have heaps of dairy all the time. That's right. But the more calcium we have, the less we actually absorb. And and the reason why that takes place, um, apart from creating osmotic changes within the gastrointestinal system, is the downregulation that calcium can cause on hydrochloric acid in the gastrointestinal system in the stomach. You know, um, specifically. So if you've got high levels of calcium coming into an acidic environment, and calcium is um, a, a basic substance, so it's it's alkaline um, by its nature, when you put a, an alkaline substance into an acidic environment, you alkalize that environment. And so when you put calcium into hydrochloric acid, which is what's naturally in your stomach, you decrease your body's ability to break down the nutrients that it should be able to break down or the foods that should be able to break down so you can absorb the nutrients to buffer acidity. And so if you're having a lot of dairy, you can actually raise acidity within the body because you're decreasing your body's ability to break down the food. And that's an important point to remember.
0: Thanks, Damon. That's great. So, in summary, just a quick summary: alkaline-forming foods usually are mostly fruits, green vegetables, peas beans and lentils, spices, herbs, seasonings, and seeds and nuts. The acid-forming foods you want to try to avoid is obviously the processed food that we talked about, uh, the alcohol, the coffee, the meat, fish, poultry. No, we shouldn't avoid it, but to just realize that those are meat, fish, poultry, eggs, grains, and legumes are acid-forming foods. So uh, we'll post up the uh, link to you know some, some, some form of chart, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you can actually look it up, and it's, uh, there's lots of information online as well. So this is... Uh, Baby face, porcelain skin, Lawrence <laughs> signing <laughs> off. No, my skin is not perfect. And uh, so uh, and so, know, sure. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so check us out on theonelessguys.com. Leave your comments below this episode. Tell us what you think. Make sure you like us on Facebook, and we're getting a lot of feedback there. So, and also follow us on Twitter on any social media websites. Uh, sign up for each notice on each episode and download us. And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you get these episodes in your iPods. Every single week. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The One Sky Show.